0: The BBT Show
1: Hey, hey, it's the Brandon Beef and Tom Show Three friends, two states, one podcast Starring Brandon Wanna get rich or die
2: broke Try Beef A date which'll live in infamy
1: That's the Gettysburg Address, right? And Tom You paid $40 for that? what's up
2: guys we are not live from tom's basement <laughs> i gonna talk a little pot at you we got a special guest for you today vince milam in the house
3: what's up
2: what's up buddy beef can you hear us all the way over there in hawaii
1: i can hear you what's up guys good to see you vince yeah you too man it's been a while it has been
3: did beef have more hair last time you saw <laughs> I, he-
1: I think he has <laughs> less
3: hair each time i see him so it's safe to say yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey grass doesn't grow on a busy street you know what i'm saying beef
1: <laughs> that's right <laughs> do
0: you guys know with vince on the show it's the bbtv show Ooh. oh nice oh national broadcast baby <laughs> what are we going to talk today about brandon uh i feel like with vince we could talk about anything under the sun but you got some specific stuff you want to ask him about right well i mean he sent me a message
2: and he was like do we have like something to follow and i was like Mm, not really. <laughs> I like, want it to be organic. So Vince was a pirate, a professional pirate for a while. So we'll probably get into that a little bit. Also, he runs his own own business, which is pretty cool. And we happen to all four, like half of our high school varsity football team, is sitting in this basement. That's right right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We have one side of the offensive yeah. line in here. At yeah, least. yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. They We didn't have tryouts, did we, at no, yeah. our high school? No. It's like, do you have a pulse? Get in
2: we'll there. It. We,
3: just, we just had tries. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's so funny, like, when I talk to people that went to big schools, and they'll be like, did you play offense? Did you play defense? We you on special teams. And it's like, I was on everything but uh punk.
0: Exactly. <laughs> That's when you got your break, right?
2: Like, what, you played everything?
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was actually the quarterback and the receiver. <laughs>
2: we actually had 14 kids on our team to play. <laughs>
3: Yeah,
0: at big schools, it's a big deal if somebody plays both ways because they're supposed to be like a superstar athlete. Mm-hmm. At our school, it was a big deal if you only played on one team. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's actually a bad thing if you yeah. only played on one yeah. <laughs> one thing. So Brandon wanted to give everybody some context. So yeah, we all graduated, right? We all graduated. No, wait, oh, wait, <laughs> <eight. Yeah. laughs> the same year from the same school. We had a graduating class. Sorry, we had a graduating class of what was it, sixty six? Is that right? Well, that's way more than I thought. I
3: thought it was sixty two, sixty one, or sixty two. They were kind of I'm dropping in like flies and here. And seven. I thought ones. it was like thirty something.
0: It wasn't thirty. It was sixty. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, four of us out of that. I can't. I'm not good at math, but you know, we're getting to <laughs> a pretty high percentile of our graduating class all in the mm-hmm. same place for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like a we're class reunion, right? here. Yeah, almost. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Chances are, there's more people in this room that I. I liked it if I actually went to a class <laughs> reunion. <laughs> so uh, I think it'll be fun real quick to talk about. I mean, I I hate when people talk about the glory days, but we're kind of making fun of ourselves, right? So let's go ahead and why don't we go around the room and we can each mention uh, the positions we played in football. Are you going to start or are you just going to sit there? And I was just going to sit here and watch. Uh, I was a long snapper. They tried to have me be the guy that snaps for the field goals, but I don't know if you guys remember what happened or not, but I'd always snap it over the guy's head. <laughs> I hmm. couldn't control it. So I was a long snapper, an outside linebacker, and a, a backup fullback. Brandon, you were the uh... – It was
2: right tackle all the way up until our junior year, and then before we played Rockville, they moved me to uh, center, and I had to go home and practice my snaps in the front yard because I was super nervous that I was going to screw up on the big show. <laughs> And uh, I told my dad, I was like, you got to come out and take snaps. And he's like, I'm kind of busy right now. (laughs) He was playing solitaire on the computer. And I was like, dad, let's go. And he was like, in a little bit. And like we went outside and it was dark and he took one snap and he's like, I can't see the ball.
0: (laughs) I was like, are you really going to maybe go play Rockville tomorrow and look stupid? So, yeah. You can't really have your mom take snaps for
2: you. (laughs) No, not really. She tried uh, pitching to me baseball. Before the bus came in kindergarten, I black, blacked her eye real bad. So,
0: weren't you a punt returner too, Brandon? Yeah, yeah, I was <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Brandon was known for his speed <laughs> in high school, so. right? Yeah, I got
3: burners.
1: Yeah,
3: <laughs> uh, Vince, why don't you go ahead? I was offensive, pulling guard on the right side. I was next to Brandon for a couple years there, as he said. Uh, I also played a uh, defensive tackle and uh, despite being six, three and one seventy five and super fast, I absolutely couldn't catch a football to save my life. So I just got stuck on the line forever and we made it work. Brandon just moved from my right side to my left side.
2: We should mention that, uh, by the time I didn't get to play my senior year, cause I broke my hand and that doctor pissed me off,
3: but we'll go into that.
2: But, uh, we watched Vince go from not knowing what offense to and defense was all the way up to to being a really good football player. Yeah, so
3: that's that's a fact. Actually, I um I didn't know how to put the pads in the pants my first day of seventh grade. I had never played a sport in my life. I was I was actually not allowed to play sports up until seventh grade. So it was a kind of a big shock for me to never even watch a game of football on the TV and to just being like, all right, let's you know let's go play a game here. And oh, I, you I never even watch football. Never had even seen it. I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> I, didn't no. I didn't know that. I knew that football was a thing, but <laughs> I couldn't sit still long enough to watch a football game. Then showed up. I thought this was soccer, like football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we can cut this out if you
2: don't want to talk about this, but was that because of being Jehovah Witness?
3: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was. And um, no, I don't mind talking about it at all. Um, there's a lot of people that are, that are talking about how they were raised in a cult. Uh, I guess I'm kind of one of them. <laughs> It seems like, but yeah, I was raised as a Jehovah's witness from the time I was about five years old up to sixth grade. So yeah, there was no pledge of allegiance. There was no, um, no holidays in the class. The holidays
2: was the thing that I always remember because I always felt bad for him. Everybody come to school and be talking about what they got for Christmas.
3: Vince didn't get anything because he didn't, they
2: didn't celebrate it. So
3: yeah, that was, that's just the way it was.
2: You had like a special day. Like throughout the year that you guys like, kind of treated as like a,
3: yeah, yeah. So we we would call that my parents would call it surprise day, and um, it was basically when they would get their tax refund and they would go buy us a bunch of stuff, um, you know, toys and and honestly, it was all secondhand toys and used stuff like that. But to us, it was it was like Christmas day. So,
2: so I don't know anything about Jehovah. You're probably the only person. I've ever talked to other than people who, like stopped at my door. um Was surprised they would like. Was that okay? Like as far as the church was concerned, or was that something that you guys kind of kept hush hush?
3: No, I think I guess it was okay just because no one put a label on it. You know, so there isn't there wasn't much um that anybody would say about it. I think because you was, weren't
2: glorifying someone other than God. Or, right?
3: Exactly. Exactly.
2: I feel
0: like a bad friend because I feel like I'm learning a lot
3: about Vince right now. So. <laughs> You
0: mind me asking, do you still have family that's Jehovah's Witness or
3: Uh no, we actually we were the only only ones in my whole family that were um quote religious. Um they just happened to knock on the door one day when my mom was was needing a pick me up and you know it kind of started from there. My my dad actually never actively followed along for any extensive stint, and we've since gotten away from it.
0: So they don't still like practice and attend the church and stuff.
3: Mm
1: mm.
0: So what exactly
2: does a Jehovah witness believe that uh, you don't celebrate Christmas because you don't believe the crisis came before, correct?
3: Well, I, I guess to kind of wrap it up in a nutshell, um, the witnesses don't believe in hell. They do believe in heaven, but that only 144,000 anointed ones will be able to get in. That's like the
0: predestined part, right? Like you can't either. You, either you're going or you're not. There's nothing you can do to get in. Is that right?
3: You know, I actually don't know. I don't know mm. because we left the organization so long ago. 144,000? Yeah.
0: Damn. Lumber, man. That's like 10 Park counties. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Chicago gets to go to heaven. Uh, no. well, <laughs> Like one one suburb of Chicago. <laughs> Pretty sure Chicago's over a million. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Brandon looks positively stuffed right now. <laughs> yeah, and actually on the on the subject, they they discourage uh going to college and um a lot of things like that too. So, I'm pretty sure they want you to just stay stay low, stay humble and not try to reach or learn for very much and to stay inside of the organization also.
2: So, if you're not going to go to heaven, well I mean, chances are uh, it's a pretty good lottery draw there, but uh Like, what's the purpose to, I mean, like, what would make you want to be a good Jehovah
3: Witness, I guess? Well, because the the heaven aspect would be 144,000 of them in heaven. Um, The rest of everybody who was good would be living in a paradise on earth. Okay. Essentially, with eternal life. It sounds pretty culty once you start getting into it. (laughs) Like, biblical Christianity, if you
0: start talking about, like, the end times and stuff, it's not the same as Jehovah's Witnesses, but some people argue there's, like, a new earth. And there's there might be a thousand years of whatever, or seven years of... You know what I mean? And so, even if you stick to what's like classically considered biblical Christianity, it doesn't sound culty, but it does sound... Some people who aren't familiar with it are like, oh, oh this sounds like a Stephen King novel or
3: something. Yeah, I mean, I don't care what organization you're in, Revelations is scary to read through regardless.
0: Yeah, the dragon. Do you have anything you want to ask Vince about Jehovah's Witness beef? What about what'd you say <laughs> you're not talking very much what? we're doing a podcast oh. hey,
2: <laughs> are you awake <laughs> I, I got
1: you i got you No, I, I was gonna ask him uh is it related to uh mormons any because we have a mormon university in town here in hawaii not that i'm aware of and i just
3: just don't see how you would possibly want more than one wife that's the mormons right <laughs> uh Possibly. yeah
0: yeah it is a mormons are you saying that because you think one wife brings you so much happiness anymore you would just be too much happiness that's what you're saying
3: right absolutely <laughs> yeah i mean you, you just couldn't handle much more than that
0: <laughs> vince you've been you've been married before and you're currently engaged to be married right
3: incorrect actually i i, w- I was never actually married oh you were um no we actually we did a service I didn't know that either yeah we did a service and she didn't get half your shit I didn't have anything to take. (laughs) She didn't get half your shit. There was a lifetime full of shit in there. (laughs) Yeah. Can't take half of nothing.
0: My dad always says, you can have half of everything I owe. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. Uh, Okay. So we're kind of evenly split here. Beef is married. I'm married. Mm -hmm. Vince, you're engaged to be married. Brandon is in a long-term serious relationship. Yep. Pretty much married. Pretty much married. Huh. Well, BPS about Mormons. One thing that's confusing about Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons is Mormons, I think, will like ride their bicycles with white shirts and backpacks, won't they? And don't Jehovah's Witnesses usually show up on doorsteps and stuff like that? They do, yeah. It's you like, said that happened to your mom. Oh, like yeah. Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> suits, suits and ties and dresses. <laughs> well, I mean, like, well, they're usually white, but I mean, just like if you drive down the road, it's like, oh, those those are either like census takers or Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons probably. You can spot a
3: Mormon because they're going to have a helmet on. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's a YouTube video of this Mormon kid. They're out in the desert riding their bikes. He's like, you see that jump there? I'm going to rip it. <laughs> <laughs> he's got his backpack and his dress clothes on, and he goes down the hill, and he hits this like, bump in the road, and he goes like two feet in the air, and then he just totally wipes out. <laughs> it's poor kid. It's like 100 degrees outside. He's got all his dress clothes on. And it's Brent State, but if he just like cleans himself off, he's like, well, let's go to the next house.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he wants to meet That's God the early. That's right there. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: So after we graduate, Vince, you moved to Florida.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I moved down to Florida in 2012. Now, what was the reasoning for that, just to move
2: to Florida? or
3: Well, my kid's mom, she um, she had family down there, still has some family down there. And I was just, I was kind of at a crossroads for what I was going to do with my life and where I wanted to go. and uh, And by that, I mean I didn't have a damn clue what <laughs> I was doing. I was working at Toyota. Doing alignments, I feel like that now. <laughs> and I just, I thought we might as well go down there and try to try to make something better. So you,
0: you guys, pretty much packed up and moved all the way down to Florida, right?
3: Yeah, we caravan down there with, um, <laughs> with her dad and brother, and his girlfriend. We all just packed up a huge truck and drove down there and showed up on Christmas Day. Oh yeah, yeah!
0: Wow! Merry Christmas, Feliz Navidad, yeah. as they say in Christmas on the beach. And you didn't have a plan for bringing in money, really, at this point? You were just willing to... No
1: job or anything.
0: Yeah.
3: By the seat of my pants. Yeah. (laughs) How many kids did you have at that point? Uh, Just one, and one on the way.
0: (laughs) Okay.
2: So, um, we try not to say people's names on here if we don't have their permission, but um, somebody else that... uh, I think your wife was really close friends with her. uh, Was she down there at the same time? Has lost a bunch of weight and is really Oh like,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's still down there just I mean, absolutely thriving. And it's it's good to see that too. And I guess that's the whole that's the whole point of making a move like that is It's like a reset, right? Yeah. You don't you don't have to know what you're gonna do and have some ultimate game plan in mind sometimes, just say, I'm not doing anything right now, why not?
2: Was she already down there? Was uh-huh. that like somebody that you guys knew down there or did she come afterwards?
3: no that's that's another um native of riverton park and she ended up coming down there afterwards it was a surprise that we didn't know about and um just showed up one day and was like hey so we kind of all started hanging out again and um just doing the florida thing and really embracing the life
2: it looked like a lot of fun on facebook i would always tell people i was like I'd see people and they'd be like, you know, you've talked to someone." So I was like, I don't know, but Vince model man is living the life down for <laughs> Riding motorcycles. He's being a professional pirate. Like, like this dude has got it going on down there.
3: Well, that's mm. Facebook's good for that <laughs> facade of a life. But in, in reality, it's like, we don't, we don't, words have never been spoken. <laughs> we don't post us laying there on the side of a highway on that motor, off of that same motorcycle with, uh, not so in, encouraging people standing around you.
2: That's something me and you have in common. We
0: both wrecked motorcycles. That is true. Did you hear it a deer in Florida?
3: <laughs> no, uh no, I hit a uh, a light standard. I hit a very large light pole and a sign. Hey Brandon did that skiing. Once. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> was
2: unconscious for a few minutes. Yeah. We didn't know it at the time, but the the girl that woke
3: me up told me I was. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Were you uh were you hurt badly in that wreck,
3: Vince? Um, no, I had a rock in my forehead, um, that they didn't find. Actually, I didn't find it till a couple of days later and the, I was pretty bruised up, pretty scraped up. Mm. Uh, I had a backpack on, which saved me quite a bit and it was stuffed full of pirate clothes because I just came from, um, came from the pirate ship that night. And, but I did have on Chacos and pajama pants with skull and crossbones on them and a vest. <laughs> That's So I looked... <laughs> Yeah, I looked pretty stupid. <laughs> I was dressed for the ride, not the slide, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we've we've uh, mentioned you being a pirate. I made that look at me on the yeah. captain now joke, but you weren't like a Somali pirate. You weren't like, uh, like a in international waters committing crime pirate. You were a, a different Long kind. John
2: Silver's pirate.
3: <laughs> yeah. So the way the whole pirate thing started was I was going to be starting a job in about two days to be a mechanic at a small shop in Florida and I was standing out on the beach and I I see the pirate ship sailing in and there's a sailboat passing it and I'm just thinking like this is incredible there's a pirate ship right there simultaneously I get an email from somebody in Florida from a Craigslist post and it said fun pirate wanted and it was like <laughs> everything I thought I was going to do went out the window and I was like Yar. That's for me. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. You,
1: you've always had uh, dreams and aspirations of being a pirate, it sounds like then. Yes.
0: Wait, when it said fun pirate wanted it this like in the personal ads where they're like... <laughs> yeah. 50-year-old <50 laughs> right male, to, lives with mother. Yeah. <laughs> looking for pirate? someone to pee on me for fun. <laughs> ISO. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> looking for someone who can walk the plank. <laughs> no, so you saw like a job posting while you're standing on the beach. Yeah, looking, looking at, at the ship. ship. Looking at the ship. I had a job
3: lined up and... And I knew at that moment that I had, to, I had to change things up a little bit so I could enjoy what I was doing. And I, I yeah, went so there. What's
1: the, what's the interview process like for that? <laughs> it's cool. I'm glad you asked, Beef. I, so
3: I <laughs> duct taped a Garmin GPS to my motorcycle. I rode down to the beach and I showed up at the little ticket hut that they sell um, their tickets out of. And they said, can we help you? And I was like, I'm your new pirate. And everybody in there stood up and started clapping. And I was like, I am home. I'm already drunk right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you basically showed up and you said, I've got the job. (laughs) Yeah, I did.
3: Yeah. I told them that I was going to be there and they, they did, you know, and I ended up, it's hard to deny
2: that when, when, (laughs) yeah, when someone has the balls and like confidence in themselves to walk up and say like, this is my job. Like, I feel like you should probably listen to the person cuz they, they least- said
0: look at the cannonballs on that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is like a like a tourism thing kind of, right? It
3: is. Yeah, so basically we would we would have our customers line up on the dock and we'd put hats on the kids, give them guns to play with, toy guns, and they would come on the boat and then we'd we'd set sail. We'd kind of go out right in front of the beach, cruise around a little bit, tell stories to these kids the whole time. We're getting the parents lit. Um, we're painting people's faces and we're having dance parties on there and playing games it's just it's very fast paced really exciting the whole time a good chance to get to uh, use your entertaining skills
0: yeah so you'd have people come on there and it's supposed to be fun for the whole family huh
1: absolutely <laughs> uh, yeah. if uh, if anybody acted up uh, did you make him walk the plank uh, there was one
3: college age guy one time that was kind of Way too drunk and like getting down and like dancing in the kids' faces and stuff. And I, I kind of snatched him up and I was like, Stop. You know? And he, he kind of swelled up. And then his girlfriend set him down in timeout and he was pouting the whole rest of the time. Like, he was huge. He was like ripped. You know, I was like, He'll kill me. <laughs> I was glad she intervened.
0: <laughs> Were you afraid he's going to pull out a blunderbuss? <laughs> yeah. <take> a <laughs> yes. So, uh, how long did you do that when you were a pirate? It sounds like almost a, a party boat where you were a pirate.
3: It was. It was definitely a party boat. Um, and was, so we, we would separate the adults and the kids so that they could both party at their own pace. But I did that from like 2012 to 2016 or 20 about 2018. So you did this
0: four to six years.
3: Yeah. I Yep, I put some hours in at Sea Man. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: were you? Um, so this was like your full time job, right? You didn't. Were you doing anything else during this time?
3: No, no. It, it it's really taxing. I mean, it took up all of my energy. Honestly, I would get up at six in the morning and drive down to the boat, and I would stay there until almost eleven o'clock at night, and I'd work all day just dancing and singing wow. and sweating. How many days a week was this? Um, on average, five to six. So oh. it, I was usually putting in at least 50 hours a week on it. Why did you have to be there at six in the morning? Did you help like set up for the day? Yeah. So we'd have 600 and something passengers per day. Uh, there was a lot of setup and there's a lot of cleaning involved with it too. You don't just get to show up and act and dance and, and get people drunk. There's you your deckhand first and foremost because it's a Coast Guard regulated vehicle. So everything mm. has to be in, in ship shape and we're considered, we were considered the the top dog in the marina. So there was really a standard to try and keep.
0: So it wasn't like Broadway where you'd show up in a dressing room 10 minutes before the show and be like, where's my latte? <laughs> yep, you got it. I- <laughs> it's, just, it's like put your vest on and stuff like that. So is
2: this a m- clean and stuff? Huh? <laughs> a mast and cell pirate ship or was it powered by like a motor?
3: Yeah, so it had two Detroit 670s on it and two generators on it and some some pretty sweet props on the back of it.
2: Was this job as
3: fun as it looked like? One hundred percent. Imagine the stuff I can't tell you. Well, that's how I, was, I was like, man, I can
2: only imagine. Especially like if you were like a single guy at the time, like it would probably be a really fun job.
3: There was a there was a time where I was single. Give, and, me, that, give me that booty. And working on the pirate ship, and uh, you know, I'll just leave it at it. it. It has its advantages to be a dancing, singing pirate who gives away free Bud Light. <laughs>
2: I didn't realize they gave away like booze on the boat. I thought it was like a more
3: family oriented. It is. It's the best of both worlds, man. Oh, man I mean, so you
2: can like be nice to the kids to win the moms over. huh?
3: I'm not going to say I did that, <laughs> but I mean, you've been on vacation before. You know how it feels.
1: <laughs> so Vince, uh, was there something that, you know, made you get out of the pirate business or just moving back to Indiana or how, how did that happen?
3: Yeah, that's a really great question, Beef. Um, I spent spent enough years doing it, and the whole time my dad's saying, hey, you need to start painting. You need to be painting. Because no -hmm. matter where I've ever gone, I've been the painter just because my dad has always been a painter. So it kind of came naturally to me. Vince's dad had a uh industrial Wait, painting business.
0: Oh, I thought you would like in Titanic and be like paint me like one of your French girls, Vince, and you'd be like all right. <laughs> Not that kind of painter. <laughs>
3: I did a little bit of that too.
0: Oh, I did. You? I did I did some of those paintings. <laughs> uh, he had a little parrot on his shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I sp-
3: i had spent enough years working in the inter- entertainment industry that I knew um I wasn't going to be able to dance in the sun constantly and scream at kids all day long and uh you know, I was I was really kind of living the lifestyle of a pirate too. So I was not treating the temple very well that whole time and I knew I knew it was going to come to an abrupt halt sooner than later and I needed to focus all of my remaining energy on something. Rum is the uh, preferred drink of a pirate, correct? It turned out to be, yeah. I didn't know that for a, I didn't know that for a long time. Uh, I knew I didn't know that that was my preferred poison. <laughs>
0: I think Bud Light sounds like the Pirates of the Wabash River, and what they drink. <laughs> yeah. like rum sounds a little more authentic.
3: <laughs> the Pirates from Indiana and Ohio absolutely, hands down, were the worst. Were they? <laughs> you could have people from Arkansas, Texas, Canada, I don't care. But when they were on from Indiana, you knew it. The cutoffs, the sunburn, the glasses, wearing yeah. their safety glasses from the factory and just, just downright open mouthed, rude to people (laughs) where's my bud light not only could you tell them they're from indiana could you like pick people out by their hometown oh man pretty close Uh, you start to get to know people really well when you're seeing 600 people a day Mm -hmm. you start to get to know people
0: they must be from (laughs) dugger probably probably easy to spot the southern indiana people too huh yeah (laughs) Mm. You sound like you're from Texas, but you don't have that Texas charm. (laughs) Yeah, where does that come from? I don't understand where the southern Indiana draw comes from. (laughs) In one class in college, I had two girls from Bedford. One of them sounded like a news reporter. She's like, well, today we talked about this and this and this, and the other one was like, well, today we chatted about this, and then we chatted about that. And the girl's like, she grew up next door to me. I don't know what the hell her problem is. <laughs> well, it's kind of like when people talk to me and Brandon. <laughs> people
2: ask me at the restaurant all the time, "Are you from Tennessee?" <laughs>
0: I'm never even been. <laughs> uh, yeah, I grew up a short walk down the road. <laughs> no,
3: but I, no, but I do like Tennessee fried sausage. <laughs> yeah.
2: No,
0: but my
3: bourbon is.
0: <laughs> so, uh, what was your what was the favorite part about being a pirate? Just day in, day out.
3: I gotta say, my, my favorite part about it was probably the open, just being in the open air. Mm. And and I love to entertain people, too. I mean, I can talk all day to people and, and put on a good show, and I, I felt like I really brought that to the pirate ship, was a whole new energy to it, whereas it was a lot less tour guide sounding over the microphone, and more like, you're gonna get up and dance, we're doing this together. <laughs> I'm embarrassed, you're embarrassed, let's be embarrassed together, and... And other than that, it was probably working with special needs groups that would come on the boat. I I did a bunch of volunteer work where I would go to schools and put a pirate show on for these kids who couldn't just get out and get on a boat. And it meant the world to them Mm -hmm. every time some little Bobby on the boat was all, you know, pushing through the other kids and just wanting to get everything on there for himself. Just it drove me nuts. And you could really see the appreciation in a, a special needs child's eyes that you're there for them.
0: And, like, get up in there and give some attention to them and stuff Absolutely.
1: like that. Absolutely. Did you ever come across any uh, real-life pirates? I mean, you were you were a real pirate, but, I mean, like, you know, in the open seas out there, any uh, actual pirates? I mean, we'd have drunk people come up by the boat and try to do
3: the pirate thing, and I would, I would just shoot the cannon at them. God's honest <laughs> truth. <laughs> shoot the
2: cannon. What was the cannon loaded with? That's a secret.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's... Um, it was loaded with courage. So That's it uses 10-gauge <laughs> blanks, shotgun blanks in there. So we'd, we'd put a couple of those in there and
0: make some noise. Oh, I bet when it rang through that... <laughs> I'm making an awkward gesture here. I bet, <laughs> I bet when that rang... Like a 10-gauge shotgun doesn't sound like that much compared to a can, but I bet when it rang like through the bore of the cannon, it was probably pretty loud and stuff, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, it depends on where you shoot it. So one time we were sailing past... Um, all the hotels and stuff and my captain pulls up right out front and there's a kind of a party destination in Clearwater, Florida uh, called Shepherd's Beach Resort that you get everybody pouring into to dance and listen into the EDM and you mm-hmm. know DJs and smoke machines and, and he says, fire that cannon and uh, boy did I I fired mm-hmm. that cannon and it sounded like a nuclear bomb went off on the beach and you see everybody hitting the ground no one, they're all like, oh, so this is where it happens you know so some we, of them might
0: not have been totally in the... They might have been chemically altered, too, at that point, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so <laughs> like you, the space pirates. I was probably <laughs> one of them.
2: <laughs> you mentioned the captain. Did you guys all have, like... Ranks? Like ranks and roles, oh, and yeah. what was your pirate name?
3: Yeah, yeah, so we had three captains Um, through most of the entire period that I worked there. One of them was a 20-year Coast Guard vet. One of them used to be a drug smuggler in the Caribbean, and uh, one of them was a rich playboy that was really like the best of all captaining going on with us. And, and I was a first mate, and I acquired that after probably about a year of being on the boat. And then we had swabbies who were just fresh coming on the boat, and they would come and go, man. didn't It's like, if you're there for three months, I will learn your name. Otherwise, there's I'm not going to invest in our friendship. There was I can't.
0: a rich playboy? On there, so did he just do this for fun? Pretty much, then. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's awesome. That's
3: my goal
2: in life is to like get to a point where I have enough money that I can choose my job based on what I'd like to do for fun.
0: Yeah, not worry about the paycheck. Mm-hmm. But there was also a drug smuggler from the Caribbean.
2: Yes, oh, he
3: was. He sounds
0: like a real life pirate. <laughs> he,
3: yeah, yeah. Actually, he was. Um, for the most part, he was. He he used to he used to drive hash back and forth and um cannabis between the islands and that's all he ever did he said he was a photographer one time for about seven days but he sucked at it so he went back to driving boats he had he had driven his <laughs> first boat sa- he sailed for the first time when he was four years old and uh by the time he was 13 had stolen someone else's boat to sail it mm-hmm. and then ended up sailing that boat in a race and won it so he was like the real deal huh
0: so he liked could actually handle a
3: sailboat absolutely
0: that's awesome.
3: Yeah, it was pretty cool. A lot of a lot of really neat people that you meet there. And my name, I started out with the name Venturing Vinny because we just couldn't figure out anything with a V. Like we had Mad Dog Mike and Jellyfish Josh and these cool names. And I was like, what am I going to be? Vivacious Vinny? Like <laughs> vivacious? <laughs> I just have no idea. So my my grandmother came up with the name Venturing Vinny, and I kind of went through a bit of a crisis myself mentally and was like what am i doing i i just can't stand anything about myself or this place so i ended up changing it to shark fin vin because i wanted something with just a little more edge that the kids would like to and and that that went pretty well
0: why do they call you venturing vinny and he's like i'm still exploring my sexuality
3: (laughs) (laughs) next week it'll be venturing victoria (laughs) um
0: I've never like really got the appeal of boating. Like people around here when they say they like to boat, I usually think they like to go to Raccoon Lake where there's like a thousand drunk rednecks on the water at the same time and it sounds stressful and dangerous to me. You're just going at the wrong time. Well, that's that's probably true, but I've talked to conservation officers and they're like, Yeah, I gotta work at the lake this week and hopefully nobody drowns and it's like this just doesn't sound fun. But when Lady Prego and I were up in Wisconsin, we were walking down Lake Michigan at a park and I saw these boats out on the water and it was like pretty clear out there, and you'd only see two or three sailboats. And I was like, I kind of see the appeal of this. So I'm wondering, since you spent so much time out there on the water, is there a part of you that's like, one day I shall return to the sea? Is there a part of you that wants to go back and be able to do that again? Be the captain.
3: Yeah, every single day. Captain Shark Fin, ben. <laughs> You know, for the, I was going for that goal for a while. I thought that that's where my life was going to go. In my career, I wanted to be a captain. But first off, you're only going to make so much money doing that. And that's there's a cap for the cap, you know? <laughs> Is it like a
2: decent cap? Because I would feel like being the captain of a, a vessel on open water that also was an entertainment vessel would have to pay fairly decent, I would think.
3: It seems like it pays the bills, but you're never going to have your own yacht. And I would much rather be on my own boat than captaining someone else's boat in a storm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So not like two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars to be the captain. Not
3: even close. Really? Yeah. I mean, so you could you can expect a basic trades job is going to make as much yearly as a captain of a boat there does. Oh wow, that
2: that really surprises me. I figured for something with the entertainment value of that, because you're basically like a manager of a restaurant or a casino or something along that lines, and a captain. So I was figuring, you know, mm-hmm. basically you'd be compensated for both.
3: Well, they make tips too. So, you know, I would I would put them at saying they probably make $25 an hour. Um and then they'll make all their tips for the year as well. So, I don't think they're doing bad by any means, but it it just depends on on where you want to be in your life financially and how much work you want to do and you know, the type of work you want to do. For some guys that's that's great. That's goals. Getting out there, you're on you're on a boat all day you're in the florida sun there's there's beautiful women around you and everyone's having a good time everybody loves you but as far as um as far as getting to build your empire i don't know that it's it's the right gig for for everyone so real quick before
2: we i feel like the way you're talking about this it makes sense to transition into talking about what you're doing now but you said, you know, think of the stories I can't tell you. Is there one that like we are PG twenty seven here? So if there's like a story that you have that like, you know, maybe pushes the limit that we can find interesting, but do you have anything along that lines, or is it like yeah. kid friendly? Give, give us a
3: good one. To like triple X rated R Um <laughs> Well, I I I guess um I mean, I saw some, I saw some pretty wild stuff on the boat sometimes, you know, there was things that shouldn't have been happening on the boat that didn't happen for very long, but you know, that couples were getting a little too excited or Mm -hmm. couples and couples getting too excited together on the boat and, and things warming up. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was, there was one time when I was single that a whole family of like 13 people came on the boat and one of them liked me a lot and you know, you can like I said, you see people every day, so you can tell mm-hmm. who it is pretty straight from the get. And um, we ended up going out and uh, playing darts and playing pool and having a, a good old time on the beach. And their family invited me to dinner with them. And I was like, oh, I'm in like Flynn. Mm-hmm. They're they're buying me Hooters right now. I guess I've made it.
1: <laughs> and
3: um, yeah, her dad was super intimidating the whole time and like looking at me like, okay, so this is going to be the guy. And ended up letting me stay in their penthouse with them. And it was a pretty exciting time. I bet, I bet. It I've all, never been in a penthouse. It all went up in flames. <laughs> Did it really? It took about forty eight hours for this this affair to <laughs> <laughs> go up in flames. There's a lot of Tito's. A lot of a lot of partying out there that I regret a little bit.
1: Are yeah, those happens. pizza rolls? No. <laughs> pizza rolls.
2: <laughs> so you were talking about, you know, building your empire and the that wasn't the way to go. Tell us a little bit about uh what you came back to Indiana to do and then in the last year or so what you've uh what you've been up to.
3: Yeah, so as you mentioned before, Brandon, my dad, he's a painter and he owns an industrial painting company and he does water towers. Mm-hmm. So at one point when I was down in Florida and, and he had pitched the idea to me, like, let's go paint these water towers. I was like, All right, dad, I'll you know, I'll I'll do whatever you want, man and and I realized after doing that with him for a while that this is not for me. I do not want to be gone all the time. Uh, the strain on your body is pretty tremendous.
2: And you were making good money doing this.
3: Yeah. Otherwise. Oh, definitely. And I, st- I still do them, too. Um, I'm actually going to be leaving mid-December to go paint a couple of them. And oh. <laughs> I had just decided that uh, I'd like to be painting, but not doing that all the time. And I came back to Indiana, where I met my fiancé right now. Hey, Jenny. Um and I I didn't have a job again. Here I was sitting unemployed again in my life and just thinking like I I, I couldn't stand myself. I was broken. And she looked on Craigslist and found another job that said fun painter wanted. <laughs> no, but it did say a painter. <laughs> painter was wanted. So I called the guy up and I said, Hey, I have experience painting. I, I know quite a bit about the industry. And he gave me a shot and I learned from these guys. Um, how to do a lot of the painting that I'm doing now. And after after a short stint of, of really learning this specific side of painting, I once again realized I need to be doing more. I feel like I'm wasting my potential. Um, I'm wasting my time. I'm droning every single day in and out, working for somebody else, and I, I can't stand it.
2: There's something different, too, about, you know... I think everybody in this room has worked some job where they've worked quite a few long hours and stuff. And there's a difference in working long hours for someone else and working long hours for you. Like when you feel like that grind that you're putting in is like moving you towards what you want to be in life. It I feel like it makes a total difference. Would you agree?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've I've always worked for somebody else up to this point. But I know my whole life, all I wanted to do was own a business. I mean, from the time I was old enough to know what that meant, I knew that that's what I wanted to do, or I at least wanted to give it a shot and see what that was like. And I'm glad that I put the hours in for other businesses. I do not regret working myself like that because the truth is, is that I'm, I'm a bit of a workaholic. I'm, I, am a, I thrive on hard, laborious work because I like the result you get out of the end of it. You're never going to hear me complaining about having to work my back and my hands, and I love it. And I did that for everybody else for a long time, and I met incredible people along the way. I I tend to find a guy older than me to learn from everywhere I'm at. And every little phrase that they have, like, speed without quality is nothing. I take that stuff to heart, and I really embrace it. And I'm glad that I did that because I can apply that to my own business now. Mm -hmm. What was the
1: hardest? Go ahead, beef. Oh, I was going to say, so since you have your own business now, I assume that you've learned a lot of things on your own now, you know, about running your own business and everything like that.
3: Yeah, I mean, so that was the biggest shock, obviously. I mean, anybody can grab a paintbrush or a roller and start spreading some paint on something, but it Mm -hmm. it was really learning how to manage my time the best because I can't just go in for 10 hours straight now and do one thing I can't just paint like hard like that and use my body I have to use my brain now and and uh -hmm. as Thomas had mentioned before I I wasn't um a great academic student (laughs) I I was diagnosed with ADHD very young and teachers couldn't they couldn't spend as much time as I probably would have needed to help teach me so there was a lot of Mm -hmm. things I missed out on uh mentally and academically that would have been helping me right now but the biggest hurdle for me has been learning time management and Mm. also learning when and who to say no to. Um, Right. Because I, I am a yes man. I'll just tell everybody, yep, we can do that. I'll do it. And then before you know it, I'm, I'm working 80 hours a week now and I'm staying up at night trying to crunch the books and, and balance all that
2: for next Mm. to nothing. And
3: yeah, yeah. And I think that's the, that's the sad truth of, of starting a business is you're not just going to start out making a quarter of a million dollars your first year. You know, it's just not realistic maybe for some people, but what we're doing is it's all about purchasing product, putting product on and having happy customers. And sometimes that means me giving away a lot and doing a lot of things Mm -hmm. for free just to make Mm
0: -hmm. it work. I talk to small business owners every day for my job and I, like I believe in what I sell. I feel like I'm not selling them useless stuff, but still it's hard to convince them to spend more money. And sometimes people will make comments about like, oh, they're a tight ass. I know I get called a tight ass, but like they <laughs> sometimes people will make slightly derogatory comments about people being cheap. Sometimes business owners are. They're just cheap, but like it always impresses me when I go out to a business, it's like these people are making money. When I think about all the overhead places have if they have an office, they've got utilities Like either rent or a mortgage, and they've got taxes. The taxes that I hear people talk about are just insane. Insane.
2: I was thinking about like, like what is like Sam's Club and Walmart paying for rent? Like, yeah, probably probably
3: close to a hundred thousand, maybe, yeah,
2: over a million. Maybe they may own their own property (laughs) too. So, yeah. yeah.
3: I mean, I would guess that. Yeah, I would guess they do. They don't need to rent somewhere. I wouldn't think with that kind of money.
2: See, like for Mm. us, we were bought by a company, and that company immediately sold all the property. And then they left, and they sold up. <laughs> so they like basically bought us, got their money back, made some money, and dumped us.
1: That, what uh, about uh, the mall? Is the mall still for sale? No, it's, it's, it's the, Hote Center now.
0: the Hote City Center. The Hote? Uh, the really?
3: Hote. <laughs> yeah. It makes you pretty uncomfortable Boy. to walk in there, to be honest with you. <laughs>
2: you know how classy of an establishment it already was, Beef. It, uh,
0: it's gotten worse. I'm hoping that they can, like, hold on for dear life there because even though I'm not a teenager and I don't go to the mall often, it's just it's good to have things like that in town. Even if you don't go there, and it would be bad and scary to have an empty or a building that big sit there and be empty. But well, anyway. Well, pretty soon
1: there's going to be a, a Hard Rock Casino, I heard. Yeah, that's the plan. That's yeah. the plan for Tarot.
3: So, Maybe you can get a gig painting there. Pass.
2: <laughs> I feel like that'd be a pretty good payday probably
3: yeah it would, but an I entire mean, casino you certainly can't do it with just four guys. you can't it just takes a while, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. You just work longer <laughs> of course, the- if
2: you got a bid for something like that, I mean, at that point, you could probably go find people, right?
3: yeah, probably but it's hard to find people though that's very true beef. It is very hard to find people that wanna work first off that want to work mm-hmm. um in this industry, and then people who aren't going to expect you to pay them $50 an hour to learn from you how to do this. And that that's a big thing. But I think, I think the key to starting and running a successful business these days is to grow slowly. It's very tempting mm. when you start getting those first big checks coming in to want to do too much too fast and say, Oh wow, we're doing, we're doing really great over here, but not so great over here. I'm going to dump a ton of money into this and hire a bunch of people to do this and the reality is, is you may get uh you may get a few jobs in that specific area and then it dries up and nobody wants it for a year and here you have a handful of guys you've brought on that aren't very skilled at it they're not they're not actively trying to grow and get better and are essentially wasting your money in the end and that's that's mm-hmm. really difficult so you got to kind of keep your circle tight and just have have a couple quality people who you know are wanting to grow and want to take this as far as it can, and get jobs that are right for your crew.
2: I've actually been on one of uh, Vince's job sites, and he works with another former Riverton Park Panther, Corey Mandarino. Uh, what's it like working with that guy every day?
3: It's exciting, man. It's a lot of fun. Um, Corey's a really energetic. Guy, and he has he has a huge heart, man he's hilarious he is so funny, he's so goofy, I mean he'll turn around and bump into wet paint and then freak out, scream, trip over six things and land on on the ground in front of a customer and it's just funny to watch uh, yeah, but I tell you what it doesn't matter what I ask him to do. he does it he He works from the time he gets there in the morning, he's always the first guy there. He's always the last guy to leave and puts his heart into everything he does. He's so worried about him messing up that, you know, he almost holds himself back because he's, he's afraid to do things wrong. And, but I can appreciate that. And he's still young in, in this field, but it's really enjoyable to have somebody there that, that meshes well with me that
1: and we can learn.
3: Yeah. And we can, we can work together side by side and there's no, hard feelings about anything because, you know, he understands that I'm learning a lot of this myself too. We're learning together. And that's why it's such a great time for, for us to work together. And I've come up with, with an idea, uh, based off of our sales to put money back for the business. And at the very end of the year, be able to actually cut him in as a bonus on some of the profit so that he's not just working as a drone and putting in his 40 hours. And then, barely making his bills and living for what you know so we've come up with a plan Mm -hmm. together to be able to to give him more financially from the business so i'm not just hoarding it and he has no idea what he's working for
0: i saw a couple weeks ago i was at a volunteer day we were helping clear out a trail and Corey (laughs) was out there with us and uh he kind of paired off with this kid from junior leaders well, junior leaders is junior high age kids. So it was Corey paired off with this kid and hearing their conversations. It was hilarious. It's like I was back in junior high again, but you'd have thought if you just looked at a transcript of the conversations, you'd just thought Corey and this kid were in eighth grade together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't immature, but like he was just he was just talking to that kid like they were best friends, and he was joking around with him and giving him a hard time. You know, And this kid was giving shit back to Corey. <laughs>
2: That's really awesome. Corey's this- one of those dudes that, like, I feel like no matter who you put him with, he's, like, going to be able to find something to talk to him with about.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he mm-hmm. was giving this kid a hard time about complaining. And there was this tool they used to pull railroad spikes out of the ground, and this kid was carrying it. And he's like, oh, man, I'm going to have big muscles after this. Corey said, Give me that thing. It can't be that bad. Corey looked it up. He said, Oh dear, that is extremely heavy. Strong dog. <laughs> <laughs> just like that. I think having people like him, uh when you work a job, sometimes it's more about the people you're with than what you're doing. And having somebody mm-hmm. like him on the work side can probably just make the day go by so much faster, I would think.
3: It really is. I mean it's I just I can't say enough about his character and his willingness to adapt, overcome, and to learn all around as just it's changed everything about the speed that we work at and the, the camaraderie amongst us too has become really great.
1: Sounds like he should be nominated for employee of the month. Yeah.
3: (laughs) I a hundred percent agree with you. First mate, first paint. Hey, there we
0: go. uh, So I wanted to mention that thing you talked about, about people being academically successful, that not necessarily translating to success, but first, Beef mentioned it being hard to find good people. I feel like now more than ever, it's got to be hard to find good people, right? Have you have you like talked to any like hiring manager or people who do a lot of hiring, whether they're business owners or managers, or they've kind of like said the same thing, like, yeah, it's really hard to find good people right now.
3: No, not necessarily. And I'll tell you the reason why is because I I almost don't want any kind of outside influence to change my mind or my thought process about this business. Hmm. I don't want to bring in a stranger to tell me how to run my business and I don't want to I don't want to try and reach out for information from people because I believe that everybody out there is in the same mess. We're all trying to find people, we're all trying to to figure so much of this stuff out and people are so quick to tell you the way things should be or the way that they have been in the past and frankly I just don't think that it works. I don't think that it's working mm-hmm. very well and I I want to start fresh and new with new ideas and yeah. um with new talent in and train them in. And I don't like too much of that outside influence.
0: Well, even if they said it used to be a lot easier to find good people, that may very well be true, but it's not necessarily helpful. (laughs) Right. (laughs) What are you supposed to do with that information? Is there any part of your business that you outsource, whether it's like billing or legal or taxes or anything like that?
3: No, no. So you've had to learn a lot. I have, I have, I have had to learn a lot. Now, of course, taxes. I have somebody for that. I'm, I'm actually, in the process of, of switching all that over to somebody different, uh, just cause I can't get a freaking email back <laughs> and that's stressful. Like I need to stay up at night over that. I bet.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: um, you do all your own accounting then.
3: Yes. Yeah. So when I started this, I was on my lunch break and the first thing I did was took a piece of paper and wrote out a business card and then I sent that to my brother and I had him order the cards cause he had more time to, to be able to take care of that and he ordered those for me. You know, so I'd come up with the business name first and then I just started googling as much information as I could about what we needed to do, website launching. I had to create a Facebook for the first time in years. I mean, I wasn't even on Facebook for a long time and then everyone's like, "Oh, you got to run Facebook," which does literally nothing for me. So now I'm just scrolling again unnecessarily. But, you know, I got the insurance together and I got the um I got my tax person on the line. I basically just one step at a time came up with everything. And
0: And you've advertised in the, uh, is it the Spectrum? The Park County Mailer, right? Yes. I got that Mm -hmm. one day in my mailbox. I was like, look, I know this guy. Yeah. (laughs) That was cool. You were on the front page of it. and It sounds like kind of old fashioned, but to like like mail, like who reads your mail? Well, a lot, everybody goes out to their mailbox. Like maybe they don't expect mail, but they go out there and they see it. And like, that's not, to me, that's not junk mail because it's all local stuff. And I just thought it was neat for me to see that.
3: And you gotta kind of think about who's reading that mail too. Mm-hmm. Like, do I care if some 16-year-old who is addicted to the internet reads that flyer? <laughs> no, I don't. The, the people who are reading that flyer are sitting there, going through their mail. They're taking care of their responsibilities. They're looking through their mail, and yeah. they're the ones who are deciding it's time for me to take this step and to utilize these services I'm seeing in here.
0: That's that's, that's a good point. If somebody's like willing and able to to get and pay their bills, then that's the kind of customer you want,
3: right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I don't have to do that constantly because I know that those people are going to have me back. I know we have a a pretty high satisfaction rate with our clientele, and they'll tell their friends. And so it kind of switches over from the need to advertise to word of mouth, and that's the goal. So something I wanted to ask you about was how long
2: did it take you to realize that you had to censor what you were talking about because of the ring doorbells? Because I was <laughs> maybe on
0: one of one of Vince's job sites. You're talking about those smart, those quote unquote, smart doorbells. That, yes. Okay. And so, so people we, can we've see. We've talked I'm about out my there.
2: side hustle in the past. as I do a little bit of photography and I took some pictures for Vince.
0: And it was like marketing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And
2: I sometimes tone myself down for this podcast. Believe it or not, my <laughs> my mom listened to it. And, <laughs> informed me that I'm the most vulgar member of the BVT show. That she wasn't very <laughs> That's proud <true>. of that. <laughs> That's my boy. <laughs> but, uh, she's like, why do you have to talk like that? <laughs> so we're on this site and I'm like just having a conversation with Vince and we're talking about the pirate ship and some of the stories that, you know, he was talking about that he couldn't tell. And he was like almost talking to code and I wasn't picking up on why. And <laughs> I said, blankety, blankety, blank something. <laughs> And he was like pointing at the doorbell, and I was like, oh, "Yeah, shit. Like, <laughs> like did you realize that immediately, or did you have something happen that brought that to your attention, or
3: yeah, so um w- one of the first jobs we did it was just my uncle and I, and we were out there painting, and I was on the front porch, and I 'm bending over and I'm picking up drops, and I get a text." from the customer that says, Hey, me and my girlfriends are all just sitting around over here in Germany. And we just want to tell you nice ass. I was like, what? And then she's like, yeah, I can see you on the doorbell. And then I'm like, red. I'm like, Oh my gosh, my uncle's been painting out there for, for two days. What has he been doing in front of that thing? You know, I'm just grabbing and tugging and relieving or what, who knows? I was like this, this will be an issue. So, and, and I like to have the, uh, I like to have a conversation with everybody like, hey, you're probably on camera somewhere. They're like, you know, you never know what's going on. And guys get to saying some pretty raunchy stuff sometimes when we're working.
1: <laughs> we've had, uh, we've even had customers, you know, be like, show us the video of somebody running over something with the mower from their ring doorbell, you know? Yeah. <laughs>
2: so. Yeah, I was out yep. there like, have you talked to so and so lately? Have you heard what songs. Just out there gossiping
0: away. <laughs> Who knows how many of the people I talked about that day? <laughs> Gosh, this
3: this customer is hideous.
0: <laughs> well, now Amazon's got Amazon. I think owns Ring. Um, I think mm-hmm. they do. And now they've got a new drone camera, like a drone security camera, oh. and a robot dog that they want you to put in your house. And they're just adding more and more of these things. It's just it's kind of terrifying. <laughs> like pretty soon, taking over your house. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty soon, Vince, it's like you won't have any place to hide, I feel like.
3: No. I Can I give that dog a paintbrush? <laughs> <laughs> At least I know it'll show
0: up. You could work from home, right? Yeah. <laughs> Remote control. Uh, so one thing that you mentioned, um, so was it last week? No, it was a couple weeks ago. When we had Kyle McLean on here. He talked about going from the Boilermakers mm-hmm. to being a real estate agent. And I said, uh, <laughs> and I want to make sure I clarify my comment here. I said, there were some kids we went to high school with that weren't exactly academic all-stars, but they're doing pretty well in life now. And yes, Vince was one of those kids. I knew it. <laughs> but to <laughs> me.
2: I asked Thomas as soon as he got here, he was like, <laughs> when you were talking about that,
0: were
3: you talking about me? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Ironically, I feel seen for the first time in, since high school.
0: Or <laughs> well, like acknowledged? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you did know I was there. <laughs> oh believe me we we were there (laughs) (laughs) um it's not to me it's a compliment it's like now when you look back um this is the context i see it in like i did really well academically in school but it's like now who gives a shit because it's we've been in the quote-unquote real world real world for so long now that nobody cares what grades you got they don't care if you made it to state on the baseball team or whatever like it might be nice It was like we had this promise, at least is the way I interpreted it. It was like, if you do well in school, you'll do well in life. Like, get good grades, go to college, and you'll be set for life. Well, I did that. I got good grades. I got scholarships in college. And, like, I've got a good job now. But, like, I had to, like, teach myself some technical things to kind of transition for a career. And it's not like uh, this, this promise of good grades equals, like, a good living. You know what I mean? That didn't really happen for me, and these kids who were in high school who were kind of goofballs—they're like they've since found what they're good at, and they've translated into some good careers.
3: Yeah, I, I, I like that you bring up that point because the god's honest truth is, as I was, I was awful in school, and a lot of that translates to the fact that I was really scared. I was very insecure in high school because, I mean, we—you were up, insecure. I grew up dirt poor, man. Just in it, I always felt like everybody around me had money and I was being judged. And honestly, I'm sure that I was. I know that I was. Um, My dad didn't start making good money uh, or figuring out how to how to use his wealth um, until I was just about into high school and he started driving nicer vehicles. And I that kind of drove me nuts a little bit. And I decided that I'll just be the class clown. Also, I was huge. So I was like, you'll be afraid of me. (laughs) <laughs> and pretend to like me, but you're not going to make me feel bad about myself. But the truth is, I was—I mean, I was super insecure. I—I I couldn't stand myself.
2: I would have never—I would have never guessed that.
3: Yeah, I think a lot of kids hide that, and and they they live inside of a shell and pretend to be something that they're not. I didn't even know who I was in high school. I I kind of hung out with everybody, but I was a bit of a bully, which I really regret that now. I would stand up for other kids and, and protect them from their bullies. And I'd hang out with the stoner kids and hang out with the jock kids too. So I never felt like I really fit in anywhere. And it really kind of held me back from, from knowing my true potential.
0: I feel like you guys tell me what you think. Like, I feel like our class specifically in high school, people talk about high school being the glory days. I don't mean to sound like that, but I feel like High school was a lot of fun for us, and this I was like a choir boy in high school. I didn't do drugs. I didn't drink, but I had a lot of fun just because of the people I was around. I feel like our class was better than most in terms of, like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, maybe I was just kind of living it's, in a bubble. It's a small school thing.
2: Well, no, but that even, like. wouldn't have happened
0: somewhere else. In my brother's classes, there were a lot of people who were, like, into. They wanted the drama. They wanted to be pains in the ass. They wanted to have clicks and mm. stuff like that. I feel like our class was better than some of the other classes, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Like I'm talking about specifically our year. Maybe I mean there wasn't
2: that many of us for one thing. So well, yeah, yeah, we were we were pretty small class. When I talk to you know people that went to big schools and stuff, and they'll be like, you know, what were you? Were you a jock? Were you this? Were you that? And I was like, I don't don't know.
0: We had to be everything. Brandon was in the dirt club, but he also played football and baseball. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I was in. I don't know if I'd say I played baseball. (laughs) I was on the baseball team. Uh, I played a lot of sports, but I my dad was the band director, so I was in band classes you know what i mean like sure
2: everybody pretty much got along
0: with everybody i don't know what do you think vince
3: um i mean i'm sure we have a bit of a biased opinion because it's our class and every class probably thinks that but i think that we did have a lot of humble students in our class and i think that we had some really fantastic teachers that also helped us realize like you know nobody no one person's more special than the other one and i think we really came together as a class Especially by our senior year, you know, we were going into uh, the the economic depression, which really kind of sobered everybody up as far as, you know, whose parents were spending this and getting them that and stuff. That's a good point. We graduated in 08. We did not have a, Mm -hmm. um, what was our senior bonfire, I think, or senior night thing. We didn't get to do that, right?
0: We also got blamed for a prank that we didn't do. <laughs> what was
2: the, what was the prank? I don't remember.
0: Somebody wrote yeah, the janitor sucks. They they didn't write the janitor. They wrote the janitor's name. They wrote this person sucks on the windows outside of school and we got blamed for it I and later. That. Do you remember oh. that?
3: What a douche. <laughs> I know. Vince.
0: I know. They we got framed and the principal fell for it. and The principal later was like, "Uh, sorry." <laughs> huh. I don't but think yeah. we had
3: any senior pranks or anything like that.
0: Uh, what we did was I stole chalk chalkboard erasers. We, from stole, all the we stole them
3: all year long.
0: I was such a badass. Yeah, we did. <laughs> one
2: person found out about it that we were doing it, and then stole like seven in one day, and and ruined
0: that. I walked into a class one day. I thought it was empty for like a prep period, but there was a substitute teacher in there with a class. And I walked in, and the teacher looked at me. And she's like, "What are you doing?" And I just like grabbed the chalkboard eraser. I looked at her and walked out. That's <laughs> like that was not very subtle. <laughs>
3: You woke up and chose violence that day. <laughs> That's right. That's we did some
0: I... We did
2: some dumb stuff back in the day that we got away with because we were at a small school. Do you remember the time in uh, Lunchford's class when we went to, your dad was the band teacher, so we went down to the band room, and we got a tuba and a, a what did you get, a saxophone maybe? And we went Somebody back, had like a bass drum. We went and played them in Lunchford's room. Yeah. <laughs> and all the way down the hallway and all the way back. <laughs> he could not have cared less. Oh. And we didn't even say anything. We just like <laughs> got up mid-class, walked down there, got him, paraded <laughs> back through and played him, and then went back and came back and sat down and he was like, did you guys get that out of your system?
0: Do you remember, Vince, uh, I actually learned something from you in high school. It was about uh, how to jump start a vehicle with a pop in the clutch while it was rolling. Sure. Do
3: you remember that? I thought you were going to say how to head headbutt a locker. No. <laughs> 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 so
0: I saw a lot of that too, but uh, that old blue pickup truck I had in high school yeah. it it started like three days out of the week. Vince you had a green Ranger,
2: right, Vince, or was it purple? Uh,
3: it was it was red. Yeah, it was like the burgundy Ranger color with no windows in it. From well, you, wrecking it, you wrecked, wrecked the shit out of Yeah, thing, I did. Dude. I had it for two weeks, and then I I hit a telephone pole guide wire and blew all the windows out.
1: Dang! I, so I remember, uh, remember after football practice. I think there was about ten of us, and we. We picked up Tom's truck and we moved it. We, like, (laughs) physically picked it up and moved it.
2: (laughs) Do you guys remember that time Don Chatland sat on uh, Coach Kersey's tailgate and we had to run for an entire practice? You guys remember that? (laughs) No. Oh, man, he was mad. I came out. Kersey had that, uh... Avalanche? uh, Yeah. Avalanche, yeah. And he had the... Don had the tailgate hound sitting on it with two girls. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, yeah, we pretty much ran the entire, we did the uh, Indian run, and then like between Indian runs, we would do like legs up and planks, and I can't believe you got, well, I remember it because I hated conditioning. Not just the <laughs> linemen? No, it was everybody. Oh. Yeah, we basically did conditioning for an entire practice. That was like my worst nightmare, so that's <laughs> I remember it.
0: <laughs> so, uh, one thing that I remember, we talked about playing football. <laughs> And we would play the games on Friday nights and we'd watch the film the next day, you know. And I remember one play. I think, Vince, I don't know if maybe you made the wrong block or you did something that really upset you, yourself. And in the middle of the play you uh, fell to your knees and you started banging your fists on the turf (laughs) repeatedly (laughs) while like the play was happening around you, you just dropped to the ground. You're like, why God, why? (laughs) Do you
3: remember that? No, I don't. I do. I was a little emotionally (laughs) unstable as a teenager. I think
0: (laughs) we watched that. Our coach just cracked up and he kept rewinding it. Then there was another play. I don't know uh, why, but uh, during the middle, it was again, It was the same type of thing while the play was happening around you. You like undid your chin strap on your helmet you pulled your helmet up just enough and you just like barfed like violently in the <laughs> middle of the field. <laughs> that was uh, a home, wasn't it? I think so,
2: yeah. I'm <laughs> like the 30 yard line on the end zone closest to the locker room. I remember that. You remember that? <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. We had to huddle somewhere else.
3: I think uh the best the best play I ever saw was probably when Hank Lopez jumped up. For joy and slipped on the sideline <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and it made daily smash hits and <laughs> his, in his <laughs> yeah. tony
2: dungeons and tony
3: dungy suit <laughs> shout out to lopez yeah. that's
2: somebody else we hope to get on the, the podcast someday
3: yeah yeah lopez is great and honestly he was such a huge inspiration all those guys were mm-hmm. i mean Kersey, lopez fish, fish. um even, chase even nate yeah, Nate. Those those guys were huge in my life, and and I, I wanted to say on this episode today that if it weren't for those guys in that football program and that that stint of us experiencing victory, then I don't think that I would be who I am today. It was it was a key component in success in my life. For someone to not give up on me, uh, Kyle Kersey is such an incredible guy. He he saw it, man. He saw right through my bullshit. And whenever I was going into an episode, he was just like, Hey man, like, don't be stupid. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just go calm down. Go about, go about your life. Like, don't, don't act like this. And that was huge for me for someone to see me and be like, you're going to be okay, dude.
2: Those guys taught, I know like you said, and and for me, and I'd say all of us a lot about being men, like, and what that meant and how to handle yourself. And you're not only a win, but in a loss and, and then, you know, getting pumped up for a situation and, and showing up. and
0: It's so easy for me to, like, be cynical about high school sports now because I see, like, the other side of it where parents are, like, obsessed with it, and you see, like, the dad who's obviously trying to, like, get their kid to live out their unfulfilled dreams, you know what I mean? And it's so easy for me to, like, kind of dismiss it, but I, I, don't, I don't want to say I took it for granted. Like, I tried really hard. I wasn't the world's greatest athlete, but I tried really hard in high school to play sports and stuff like that. But I don't know what what would have happened if I hadn't been there, or if I hadn't had those guys. You talk about like reinforcing things like hard work, like showing up, doing a good job, doing your best, basically, even if you know you don't know if it's going to pay off and stuff like that. Like, I hope that that can continue, and I know that some of those guys who coached us are in leadership positions now, sure. And I hope that can continue. But I don't know. Like, are you going to push? You've got kids now, Vince. Are, would you encourage them to play sports? You think?
3: yeah so my son he's 14 and he wow (laughs) this guy plays every sport he does he's in he's in five different sports at a time he wakes up in the morning he tells us his schedule when he needs picked up where he's going uh talks about college every single day of his life he's so goal oriented that it's it's really great to get to be a part of that again and um you know he he's played soccer and other sports in the past that I got to be a part of but this is his first year at Riverton and seeing him out there on that field you know i'm i'm just so in love with the idea of getting to be a part of that again and yeah like i want him to like i understand what you're saying I'm, i want him to like push it and go all the way and living vicariously through him now. But now I get to be the dad in the stand saying, Panthers! You know, you being posted, a nut up there.
2: You posted a picture not that long ago and like I remember Vince's dad like back in the day. And Vince was always like super skinny back in the day, but he's starting to fill out a little bit now. Wow. Now, I'm not calling you fat or anything. <laughs> no, it's cool man. <laughs> Bad body. <laughs> the more yeah. the older you get you look a lot like your dad. Yeah, that's and, true man. And there was a picture of him with his some there on the field and stuff and i was like man like i was like
0: this thing is coming full circle the like, first time i saw Vince's he, dad oh. in the game i was like how did this viking get into this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i thought somebody yeah. built a time machine and pulled somebody out of like denmark a thousand years ago <laughs> he's like oh i'm ready to fight
3: <laughs> i mean you know shout out shout out to parents uh my dad only ever missed one game of mine and he worked out on the road doing the water tower thing he would drive home every Friday night from wherever he was at in the country, to, and made it to every game except for one time when we played in like Covington or Attica, and I told them the wrong place, and they went to the wrong school. And uh, he was like, nah, I'm "No, I'm not coming in now." But he only missed one. And your and dad didn't fault. just like come to the game;
2: like your dad was like involved in the game. Like yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of parents, you know, that are like, "Man, I didn't miss a single game," but like at the end of the game, had no idea what even happened in the game, and right. Vince fucked up. Vince's dad came down to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you guys remember that time I was going ballistic on the yeah.
3: sideline and all of a sudden my helmet got snatched around and I was looking at him and I must have looked like a deer in the headlines. I was I was actually scared at that moment he's too. He was like, bah! No more tough guy. <laughs> so he came down on the sidelines huh, and straightened you out? Yep, yep. Because I was all down there, you know, <laughs> just snatched around he's like, stop. <laughs> yeah, dad. So yeah, it was really cool to to get to have that experience and to get to give that on now. And be the loud dad in the in the stands and bringing that hype level up, you know, I love all the cheers my daughter is on cheer now, so she's starting those same cheers that I've been hearing for years and years now, and i I just love being a part of this man
0: i can't I'm still wrapping my head around the fact that your son is fourteen years old yeah, and you're are you thirty two
3: i'm thirty one um it's so it's actually my fiance's son okay, so
0: well, I would say too, you, you had a child not too long out of high school too, right?
3: Yeah. um, Yeah. We had our, our first child when we were 20. Yeah. So, So yeah. And, and my youngest one, um, she's eight now. So I've only got 10 more years to do the, the high school thing. You know, when you look at it, I have a 10 year plan for my business right now for the first time ever. I've got, I've got 10 years planned out of my goals that I want to hit. And um, part of that's going to be, be her growth and her success through high school. And then after that, I'm going to be a hot 40. You know what I mean? I can go back out there and do whatever I want an after that. An empty
0: nester at 40 years old. If Brandon wakes up tomorrow and decides he wants to start a family, he's going to be – <laughs> oh. I guess he'd be around 50. I'm going to be old. Yeah, you'd be looking at at least 50 if you had one kid 18 well, I'm years old. 33, so yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but – No, not at all. To be an empty nester at 40, that's – wow. And You're I was, already thinking ahead that far, though.
3: I have to now. Look at me. <laughs> well, and
2: I guess the cool thing about that, too, is, like, you're going to be, how old is your son now? 14, is that what you said? Yeah. So, like, you know, he's, Vince is still going to be very capable at the time that his son is, like, 20 years old and can still smack him around. I might be, like, 60 years old when I have an 18-year-old.
3: <laughs> oh, no, I'm terrified of him. I'm, Already? I'm, yeah, I'm Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm scared of him. I put my head down when I walk past him because I'm like, I don't want no smoke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what's going to happen eventually. He's going to be like, all right, here we go. He's going to hit me, and it, it might kill me. I might <laughs> die. I mean, there's no way I can defend myself. I know what my shoulders feel like right now, and, and uh, I don't want any smoke.
2: Did you ever have a moment where like you outdid your dad in something, and it was like a super proud moment for him, but then you saw like life leave his body and felt bad for it? <laughs>
3: Uh, yeah, I sucked the Holy Ghost out of him. <laughs> I was like, Das, yeah. Um no, I'm still scared of my dad. I still think he could take me. He's got he's got like old man strength, you know.
2: Your dad's a lot younger too though, right? Um, yeah, so he's
3: twenty years older than me. So yeah, he's fifty uh uh what is today's the twenty fourth. Yeah, so on the twenty eighth, I think he'll be like fifty one. Okay.
2: My dad'll be sixty five oh. this year, so yeah. Kind of a different my dad's almost like your grandpa. <laughs> my uh, my dad will be seventy yeah. in February. Wow! There was a we used to burn firewood to heat our house, and there was this time we'd always split firewood, and my dad and my grandpa would always it would always turn into a competition, and dad would always win because he was younger than my grandpa. But I was a little kid, and he would always tell me that's why I'm the dad, and he would give me this like look. And one day I beat him. I was about fifteen or sixteen. I looked at him and I said. Um well, son. and it's like mm-hmm. his soul left his body <laughs> and it's one thing to, to like to this day at 33 i'm like man i wish i didn't do that yeah <laughs> you could have given that yeah. up man yeah, like, you still oh, regret man. that like, moment. why did i have to do that like i could have let him be the man forever
0: a lot of times when people have kids that young like it's hard to like get their lives on track you know what i mean it seems it like eventually they do but now you're at a point where you're already talking about Well, pretty soon I'm going to be an empty nester. And you said you got like a plan for your business and your life and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like planning stuff out. You said you always had a goal to be a business owner. Have you always had plans too, or you just never really had like a a certain ambition to pin all of your hopes and energy on?
3: Yeah. I always thought that I was going to make a craft. I like making things. Um, I always thought that I was going to make some like little things, crafty things and sell them. I didn't I didn't know that this was going to be what I went into um as my career and just for the record, this isn't my end goal either. This is I'm just doing this for right now because because I know how to do it and I enjoy it and it really gave me something to to invest all my my time and certainly money into. Um but it's not it's not in game for me by any means.
2: Can we ask what in game is? Beach bum. Your own pirate ship?
3: No, I don't I don't know, but um <laughs> No, you know, I'm really not, I'm you not sure sit yet. You can't still
1: long enough to be a beach I, bum, right? Yeah, <laughs> re- yeah. Retirement's a ways away.
3: It is it is a ways away. And um, all I know is that I intend to know enough that I don't have to do as much. So mm-hmm. I plan on having myself a nest egg to ride out for a while and uh, figure out what my, my true passion is going to be. Do
2: you ever see a time where maybe, you know, you grow your painting business to... A much larger scale than it is today and you have like, you know, foreman's yeah. and stuff and then, you know, you just run around checking on every job and doing all the purchasing and, and focusing on the marketing part of it and, and running that aspect of it as far as, and not being the like on the job guy.
3: Yeah, I, I think that should be the goal for, for any, any business owner is to be able to go out there and find the work and to talk with the customers and to make sure that the logistics are operating smoothly so that you can you can reap the benefits of putting all that hard work in and baking the biscuits so to speak so that you can soak the gravy up later um you don't want to be on your hands and knees when you're 65 years old still scrubbing beside people's toilets to put a paintbrush behind there you know there's definitely people mm-hmm. out there who who can start at that point and then work their way up to being crew leads and foremans and running crews and you know there's there's a nice um there's a nice opportunity for people to grow and to learn to do other things.
1: hmm I know your uh, your son's real busy with sports and academics it sounds like but he has he shown any interest in the in the painting business? Um so his, he's still pretty young. Yeah, he is and now he
3: wants to um He wants to get into sports medicine, which I think is, Mm -hmm. is amazing. You know, uh, there's, there's a lot of room for wealth out there in that industry. Um, he, he wants to be doing that and he will paint things with me. He's, he's pretty talented when it comes to it. He's done like some caulking and some scraping and some painting with me. So that's, that's cool that you bring that up every now and then. If he needs money for something, he knows that, you know, he can, he can come work with me anytime he wants to, um, Outside of his busy schedule, it's very difficult uh, to do anything with him. But, yeah, he does help me on projects sometimes, but I I hope he doesn't want to be a painter. His his aunt and his dad also paint, too. They also do interior decorating, and I'm sure he really wants nothing to do with it.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I I feel like I see you probably always doing something with your hands. Mm -hmm. I know that's true. You seem pretty talented as far as, like, always have been like artistically and Thomas has a twelve string guitar in here, which I've only ever seen this one in my entire life. Yeah. And when we come down to Tom's basement, Vince is like, care if I play that he like plays three songs and he's like, Well, eh, that's the first time I ever touched one of these. I'm like sitting down here playing whole ass songs.
0: All right, so one thing that I'm always talking about is like kinda of being very selective about what I put my kids in to kind of shield their time. But it sounds like your son is really thriving with that busy schedule. And so, uh, it's kind of, it's always fun for me to talk to my buddies who have kids and like see kind of like how they handle different things. But, uh, we've, we've kind of run the whole gamut here from (laughs) growing up our uh, goofball times and the serious times in high school playing football and now being a business owner. Um, the guy on the monitor here is going to be a father soon. Beast, uh, baby girl is on the way.
3: Congratulations.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Vince. So, uh, you got any advice you want to, any, uh, wisdom you want to impart before you depart?
3: Yeah, I think for me, the the biggest thing about raising another human is to not try and push them into things that they don't want to do because you think it will be better for their character. Allow them to be who they want to be because you have no idea who that is and they're not going to for a while either. Show them things, let them tell you what they're into and what they're not into and and allow them to grow at their own pace because someday they're going to know exactly what they want to do and that might not be until they're 30 years old and i think the last thing as parents that we should do is derail our child's dreams and their their character based off of what we didn't do in our lives and we thought we should have so they should i think let them be themselves
1: that sounds like some great advice right there so I will definitely, definitely keep that.
0: So, Beef, I think what Vince is saying is if your daughter absolutely does not want to go out in the yard with you and spread fertilizer, just (laughs) give her a break once in a while. Is that what you're saying, Vince?
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I I think that is, I think you should make them do things that they don't want to do sometimes as far as chores are concerned because nobody wants to wash the dishes. But it's, it's Mm -hmm. it's good to do. But I don't think that we should force kids to play sports who aren't athletic. Because we think it's going to teach them a lot. It might just get them bullied and make them feel worse about themselves. Mm-hmm.
2: This episode got deep. <laughs> we, we kind of saw that happen So
3: Not as deep as that hairline, Thomas. Oh.
0: <laughs>
2: he got
3: one sick
0: burn before he left. <laughs> I know the lights are shining on my forehead, too. I need to like wear a visor when I do the show. <laughs> if we ever put it on camera. <laughs>
2: Beef, do you still have hair on top?
1: Yeah. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the lighting in here is bad too. Let's <laughs> <laughs> blame that. Yeah. Hey,
2: well Vince, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. This is a, uh, something we had talked about from the very first episode that you were probably going to be somebody we were uh, probably going to reach out to, to be a, a guest at some point. So
3: that's incredible, man. I'm, I'm really honored you guys. I'm really proud of what you guys are doing and making your own podcast. I think that's such a huge step in in the new modern world of media to get into early and i'd say we're still early in the podcast game they're not going anywhere you guys are doing a really good job of it and i'm i'm really grateful that you guys had me on here and allowed me to ramble about absolutely ridiculous things of my life and i I can appreciate that a lot
2: one thing we we like to do is uh we like to promote local business so why don't you go ahead and tell us your business name and and all that and give yourself a
3: slight advertisement here. Oh yeah, you're going to let me plug it in, huh? Plug it
1: in. All <laughs> right.
3: Yeah. So my business is Midwest Precision Coatings. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, you can go to midwestprecisioncoatings.com. We have a pretty basic website on there. Um or you can just you can Google us and reach out and give me a call if if you're needing anything done or if you just want to call and say, "Hey," or leave me a prank call. That's that's all fine, too. <laughs> you do hmm.
0: residential and commercial, right?
3: Residential, commercial and industrial, right?
0: I
2: watched this guy paint lines. I have a video of it and I'm like right there. He's like laying these lines in with no tape or anything on this window. It's does great work.
3: So we do. I appreciate that, man.
0: I've seen people do that. That's a skill in this world of smartphones and the internet. Like skills are kind of falling by the wayside. It's, it's nice when somebody still has those, you know what I mean? Those skills you can see on the finished product. That's cool. Beef. Do you have anything you want to say to Vince before he goes?
1: Hey, thanks for coming on and it was good catching up with you and uh yeah maybe we'll have to bring you on again sometime yeah definitely thank you thank you man i'd, I'd like that it's been fun it's been truly i knew it was gonna be fun when vince was on here
0: <laughs> 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 i knew it was gonna be fun but it was genuinely enjoyable and entertaining so thanks again vince
3: not a problem guys thanks <laughs>